Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. The rest of the Liverpool and Manchester City squads. Some of the world's best players ply their trade in our humble English Premier League. And we've decided to do the unthinkable. We've ranked them. Here we'll be discussing the 101 current best Premier League players as revealed on the 442 website. Get ready to be very annoyed because we warn you, this list is final. You're listening to the 442 podcast. Hi, I'm Connor Pope, and I'm joined today by my 442 colleagues, Chris Flanagan, staff writer. Hello. Joe Bruin, the UK digital editor. Hello. And Hunter Godson, editor of The Mixer. Now, sorry, Hunter, hello. Hello. I completely missed you out there. You just sort of (laughs) ran over me there. Let's get started on the 101 greatest current Premier League players. They're already on 442.com, so anyone can go and read more about them. I'm going to be going through it in five sections of 20-ish players and each section we'll just pick out players that we particularly want to talk about or themes that we think are coming up and obviously try and build up as much suspense before the big reveal at the end. Here's players 101 to 81 in our countdown. Dwight McNeil, Matt Doherty, Lewis Dunk, Shane Duffy, Emiliano Buendia, Josh King, Tom Heaton, Nathan Redmond, Declan Rice, Moise Ken, Rui Patricio, Tyrone Mings, Jamal Lassell, Anthony Martial, Mason Mount, Felipe Anderson, Alexander Sinchenko, Johnny Evans, Tammy Abraham, James Tarkovsky, and at 81, Davinson Sanchez. Now, the first name that I think jumps out there is Declan Rice from West Ham. Chris, I think you wanted to start on Declan, didn't you? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I, I've been very impressed by him in the last 12 months. I went and saw him uh, for our most recent magazine uh, a few weeks ago. It's been quite a, a 12 months for him. I mean, he, like when I spoke to him, he was telling me about basically a year ago, he'd had a nightmare at, at Liverpool in the first game of the season. Sort of convinced himself after that game that he actually wasn't up to being in the Premier League that season mm. and wanted to go to Villa in the Championship, which is 
when you can you think of what what happened after that? He got he got back in the team within weeks, within months. He was in the England squad. He was on the short list of six for PFA Young Player of the Year, and he's been very, very good ever since. He's just got that calm presence in in central midfield. And I know when the England games were played a few weeks back, well, recently there was debate over you know how how he used the ball sometimes. But mm. his role is to get it and give it simply and keep things ticking over. And you only have to look at England's results in those games to see that well actually that works. I think he's he's number ninety three here, and I think the way that perhaps he's been talked about recently makes that feel surprisingly low. I mean, obviously he was linked with Man United and, and other clubs over the summer, but actually he's not really been a Premier League footballer for all that long, has he? No, he hasn't. And I think it takes a lot of character to come back from what was a pretty difficult start for him. You know, as Chris said, he wanted to leave after a game because he didn't think he was good enough. And, but I think West Ham fans have got particularly excited about him because basically they haven't had a function in midfield for, for years. A player like him who who look, looks so composed and basically just plays not like a 20-year-old. Mm. You know, he's doing really well. Gareth Southgate absolutely loves him. He's, he's kind of already one of those favourites who looks like they're probably just going to play for England all the time now. Yeah. In this section as well, we've got a few other young English players. Dwight McNeil at Burnley, I think he's, he's a great player. We've got uh, Tammy Abraham, Tyrone Mings, Mason Mount. I know he's a, a favourite of yours, isn't he, Hunter? Yeah, I mean, I've been really impressed with him the first few games of this season. I'll be honest, I didn't watch him an awful lot at Derby, but I was obviously I saw mm. the important games at Derby and he, he stood out there. I think um, the thing that's interesting this year is how Lampard has just thrown him in there straight away and he's getting he's getting a nod over people like Willian and Pedro to some extent. I think when, when you look at how he plays, it's quite similar to Ross Barkley, who... Got the nod in the most recent England games, but I think as the year goes on, you might see that place up up for grabs, and I think it'll be Mason Mount who eventually takes it off him. He's had a, an interesting career already. I think. I think you know, obviously, he's had his time in in the Championship, but he also went to uh, Holland and, and played there, and and you know, played in Europe for for Vitesse. So actually, for someone of his age, actually getting around quite a bit and seeing different styles of football, I think is probably going to really help him. Yeah, I think you can you can probably see that in the way he plays. To be honest, it's not particularly an Eng- an English style traditionally. He moves the ball really quickly. He looks completely both both footed at the moment. He's got a lovely goal at the weekend that was taking it onto his left and then shifting it onto his right and just passing it into the corner. The, the most impressive thing for me is that he's he's playing at a different level for the last three seasons now. So you know, he went to the Eredivisie two years ago, was their Player of the Year basically, mm. got the award. Then he goes to Derby in the Championship, smashes that, and now he's just stepped up to the Premier League so seamlessly. Mm. You know, there was always going to be a bit of extra pressure on his shoulders because there's that kind of element of nepotism about it. You know, people see him as Frank Lampard's kid, basically, <laughs> uh, and and that was always going to rest on his shoulders. But you know, he's just just taken to it so well, like a few of the other Chelsea academy players, like Tammy Abraham, for example. I like Tammy Abraham, yeah, absolutely. Players eighty to sixty-one in our countdown. Martin Dubravka, Ryan Fraser, Willie Bolly, John McGinn, Nick Pope, Danny Rose, James Milner, Christian Pulisic, Michael Keane, Kasper Schmeichel, Lucas Moura, Nicholas Pepe, Jordan Pickford, Matteo Guendouzi, Musa Sissoko, Abdullaya Decore, Giovanni Lo Celso, Timu Pukki, Jack Grealish, and at 61, Manuel Lanzini. The first name that jumps out to me here is Timu Puki. It has to be the August Premier League Player of the Month. He's already been a sensation with Norwich in the Premier League. I, I've got friends who watched him at Celtic a few years ago in the woods. 
banjo and cow's arse were used and not <laughs> because of any kind of nighttime proclivities that you might have had. Chris, he's hit the ground running. He has, yeah. I mean, it's it's been very impressive. I mean, when, when a year ago when Norwich signed him, there wasn't a massive buzz around the championship saying this guy's going to be amazing. Yeah. Um, and then he was amazing in the championship. <laughs> yeah. He was the central reason why Norwich got promoted. Obviously, they've got other good players as well, but certainly he was front and centre of that. Mm. And yeah, I mean, again, I wasn't necessarily expecting he'd, he'd continue scoring as he has at the start of the season. But you've got to say, no, now he's done it for a month or so. You think, well, because people are still saying, oh, we'll stop scoring soon. Mm. I'm thinking, actually, no, he might, he might well get 20 goals. He might be like an Andy Johnson in that promoted team that, that has no fear and he'll just, there's no reason why he can't keep scoring now. He's just a brilliant finisher. Only he'll probably score way fewer penalties than Andy Johnson did. Well, yes. <laughs> I think it was, yes. Ele- was it 11 penalties that sure, season? Yeah. I think it might yeah. have been, yeah. yeah. But, but we think, is he worth his Player of the Month award? Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, s- scouts will always tell you that they're, they're looking for a goal scorer because mm. you can scout strikers, but sometimes, you know, for various reasons, you can only, you look at Timmy Puki's career, it doesn't always work out. Mm. He got, 29 last year, I think. But it's kind of a testament to Norwich's scouting network, isn't it? You know, they've, they've, they scouted far and wide to get those players that got them up last year. Mm. You know, it's not it's not easy to do that, bringing in a, a collection of personalities with different experiences, different age groups. You know, and that that is testament to Norwich's scouting network, Stuart Webber and Daniel Farker. But yeah, Pookie, I mean, I think we did a quiz on the website the other week, didn't we, about newly promoted players. Mm. And was it 15, the highest over the last decade for a newly promoted player? I can't remember, actually, but we'll say yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was 15. So, you know, he's, he's well on his way to that. And, and you know, I think we, we're fully expecting him to, to beat that tally this year. I can only conclude as well that it's, uh, a lot of his goals is due to his loss of hair these days because he used to have this massive hair. <laughs> it must have been weighing him down in some sort of way. And now he's just free to score The to reverse Sansa. Exactly. I, I remember um, former Celtic stri- striker Henrik Larsson saying that he endured similar taunts about having some kind of Samsonite strength right, when yeah. he chopped off his dreadlocks. Maybe, uh, maybe that's what it is. He was very pleased to score in his first game with his newly shaven head. Yeah. Uh, I had a um, Christian Pulisic, he is another new arrival into the Premier League. Recent 4-4-2 cover star on the season preview. I'm sure lots of people will have seen him. How do we think he's doing so far? I think he's been pretty pretty good so far. Uh, he looked at his best in the Super Cup before the season actually started. Obviously, there was going to be some... It'll take him a while to get up to the speed of the Premier League. Um, and he wasn't playing that much at Dortmund at the back end of last season. They sort of mm. dropped him out of the squad completely. I still don't... I still don't feel he knows exactly what his best position is. Obviously, he plays out on the left quite a lot and switches wings every now and then. But I feel like in the coming months, we'll, we might see him go more central. I mean, goals and assists, that's what he has to add to his game. I feel like we expected there to be a lot of pressure on him when he arrived because it was so much money and because he was so young. But actually, in a way, it feels like because of the transfer ban, because of Lampard's system of bringing in so many young players, which is proving already so popular, if not always entirely effective. Actually, is there a sense that maybe there isn't that pressure on him now? Yeah, I think in the past, he's been the young player to take to take the limelight. And whereas this year at Chelsea, you know, others are doing that for him, partly. Mm. But, you know, this is a very experienced 22-year-old. You know, this is a guy who's used to having the hopes of a nation, basically, on his shoulders. You know, he's been USA's star player for a long time mm. now. I think with Chelsea working themselves out, I think that there's been a bit of, you know, but, you know, they've had a good start as well, which always helps. You know, it's not like they've, they've they got battered on the opening day, but they've kind of recovered a little bit after that. And they're scoring goals as well. So while that continues, I think he's got a bit of leeway. 
I mean, I haven't, you haven't noticed him doing anything particularly wrong yet. Mm. But, you know, they've, they've clearly got a great player on their hands. And I think in time he will be a really good player for Chelsea. Yeah, I mean, I think there's, there's two things that have taken the pressure off, off Pulisic, and that's Mason Mount and Tammy Abraham, basically. Had they found it through a difficult thing to adapt to the Premier League, then everyone would be saying, well, Pulisic is the one with it more experience, he should be the one doing it. But while they're performing and scoring those goals, it buys him some time to, to adapt, and I think that's good for him. Um, now, the next player I want to talk about from this section is someone I read a brilliant piece about on 442.com recently. Hunter, can you tell us a bit about Danny Rose? Danny Rose. Uh, he's a a man who seems to be uh, divisive in the Premier League. He he tends to uh, rub people up the wrong way because of because of how he talks, basically, and how openly he talks about his emotions and how he feels players should be treated. But on top of that, he tends to perform on the pitch for Spurs. Uh, he hasn't had, by his standards, I think it's fair to say, he hasn't had the best first couple of games to the season. He uh, was at fault, arguably, for two two goals. Mm. Um, but nevertheless, he gets up and down that wing. He's still fantastic going forward. He's, he's the best option Spurs have. And uh, yeah, I think it's fair to put him at, where is he on the list? 75, 75 seems fair. He's still um, the fact that he's still being picked as England's number one over Ben Chilwell tells you that Gareth Southgate still thinks that he's the best left back in England. Obviously, we were speaking earlier in the office about this. Ryan Sessegnon not back from injury yet. Mm. Are you are you worried if you're Danny Rose about him taking your place when he gets back? I don't think you're worried. I think you're more. I think what it adds is it, it's a healthy uh, sort of competition, isn't it? But if you're if you're looking at what Ryan Sessegnon can offer it's reasonably sim- similar to what Danny Rose can offer and Danny Rose can still offer it at a higher level than what Ryan Sessegnon can at the moment um, I don't think he'd be worried about losing his position to him it's quite funny how it's worked out for Danny Rose though you know they, he left, got left out of the pre-season tour to quote explore other opportunities which is strange because you know he's not the sort of player that you desperately want to get rid of no, I'll be honest, I was quite upset when I heard that he was being left out to yeah, explore Ben Davis got the new contracts. Yeah, so it looked like he was in a way being promoted to first first choice, but then obviously whatever happened, he didn't find a club to go to and then came on the tour to Germany and hasn't looked back from there, basically. He's been the first choice. Then Ben Davis hasn't played a minute yet. And, you know, he's... Well, no, that's not true. He's come on as a substitute, but... Danny Rose has got that first place locked down. It seems a bizarre move for Spurs to let that player go, especially considering they were getting rid of Trippier as well. It seems like a strange move to get rid of both of them. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Players 60 to 41 in our countdown. Sebastian Haller, Fabian Shaw, Wilfred Ndidi, Jorginho, Deli Ali, Joel Matip, Nathan Ake, Ashley Barnes, Gabriel Jesus, Antonio Rudiger, Victor Lindelof, Ben Chilwell, Fernandinho, Hugo Lloris, Riyad Mahrez, Danny Ceballos, Ricardo Pereira, Richarlison, Tangoy Undumbelli, and at 41, Kepa Aditha Balaga. Let's start with West Ham's new signing, Sebastian Haller. Chris, uh, I know you wanted to, to talk about him in particular. Yeah, I mean, when West Ham signed him, I thought, yeah, that, that could be a really good signing. Mm. Um, I mean, I watched quite a bit of, of Antrack Frankfurt in the Europa League last year, and him and Jovic up front were, were very, very good. Mm. Um, you could see, you know, he's scored in pretty much every game. Frankfurt's got a lot of goals in that competition, and you could see how that sort of player would be great in the Premier League. Does it help playing up front with Luka Jovic? I'd say you have to do a bit of running, running for him, but I suppose it's not necessarily what Haller does anyway. It's more mm. of a, I mean, it was obviously a, a target man with a with a smaller player sort of thing. So, right. I guess his role at West Ham is a little bit different to that, um, but just such a physical presence, put that ball in the box for me, and he will score goals. I mean, I remember actually I went to the, t- the Chelsea second leg of the Europa League, and I think he was just coming back from injury then, and and missed a chance that would have put them in the final. Um, but apart from that, that was that was probably the only negative I saw in, in, in the Europa League last year. It was just I was just every game I saw, I thought this guy's good and this guy will be in the Premier League soon. Now Ashley Barnes is uh, is another player we want to talk about. I've got a bit of a love hate relationship with Ashley Barnes, <laughs> if I'm honest. Because Hasn't everyone, <laughs> I watch him and I absolutely loathe him, and I just know that if he played for my team, I would love him to bits I watched him at, uh, at the Emirates a few weeks ago and obviously Burnley didn't win but the way he bullied the Arsenal defenders was fantastic obviously he got a goal and the way he really does just give absolutely everything and if any decision goes against him the grief he gives a referee <laughs> is is just a, a real marvel of the modern world it's quite important to caveat with the, the team that you support here as a Blackburn fan I hate giving yeah. the so far I've praised both Dwight McNeil and <laughs> Ashley Barnes <laughs> But I, I do actually find that Burnley generally have some quite likeable characters uh, <laughs> among them at the moment. I think Barnes especially is one that you can you can appreciate that if he was playing for your team, like you said, he's a sort of player you could absolutely love. There's an element of when we were talking about Danny Rose before, similar sort of player who opposition fans tend to hate him. And that's mainly because you know he's going to be really effective in one winding up your centre-back. And he's probably going to score as well when you look at his record in the last couple of seasons. He's he's really turned it on. He's a, he's a really good technical striker. Well, that's yeah. it as well. It's his goal at West Ham, when, when West Ham fans were basically infighting and throwing <laughs> things at each other. That that was fantastic. Yeah, he, know, brings in, he brings in other players fantastically. He's technically amazing. He hits the ball really cleanly. There's not Make no mistake, he's not a big 
bully up front. He's a technically gifted player who just knows how to play the dark arts really well. Yeah. I, I was half expecting him to get a call up for, for the England squad last time. I was just Actually about to... the famous Austria under 20. <laughs> yeah. God, that's ruined <laughs> football. Yeah. 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 But yeah, I think Austria, Austria cleared up back in February that actually he wasn't technically eligible to play for them. But yeah, I was just about to ask that. I mean, obviously the England front line at the moment is phenomenally good. Yeah. But could you see... What what front line can't be improved by Ashley Barnes? <laughs> <laughs> I think the the one thing Liverpool is, fans is, do write in. <laughs> <laughs> the one thing he's probably got against him here is uh, Southgate's made it really abundantly clear that he wants to build it from youth, mm. and he's got Tammy Abraham coming through, who obviously doesn't. He plays a similar role in that Tammy Abraham is a target man, and t- Tammy Abraham can do the ugly stuff as well as the. Incredibly, but Tammy Abraham has opened himself up to Nigeria this week as well. Mm. He said, "We'll see," which Ooh. is basically a call to Gareth Southgate. Please play me in a competitive game. Come and get me, please. Yeah. I believe. So Nigeria. he's got a cap. He has got a cap. He played against Brazil in a mm. horrible nil-nil draw. I think it was last year or the year oh, before. Wow. But he hasn't played a competitive game yet. So I think at the current rate, though, he's he's bound to get in the next squad. That's think? yeah. That seems like baiting more than anything. Yeah. There is the debate as as to does he offer more than Marcus Rashford these days and. and you really have to, if you're adding goals to his game as, as quickly as he is, there's, a, there's an argument there. Yeah. I think a player I'd like to talk about here is Joel Matip. Yeah, he finishes a, just below Ashley Barnes, I believe, number 55 on our list. Number 55 and just below Nathan Ake, who I do think is a fantastic player, but I would, in in my opinion, I think he should be much higher up the list. Uh, just because I think he's a fantastic player. Don't open uh, up questioning of the list at this point. I'm, <laughs> I'm opening it up at 55. <laughs> I think you're talking about one of the best. Jamie Carragher <laughs> was talking about him this week, actually. He was saying this kind of a, the big brother, little brother relationship with Van Dijk, you know, and maybe without him, Matip is not the same player. You know, mm. Is he a, a bit lost without him, potentially? Um, I think it's a valid point. You know, Up to this point, Matip... You know, when he first signed for Liverpool, he was he was basically replacing Ragnar Klavan, basically as the not a hard third, fourth choice. Fo- yeah, not a hard act to follow. Mm. But slowly, he's he's got above Dejan Lovren, mm. and he's capitalised on Joe Gomez's injury, and those two have kind of swapped roles now. Mm. But you can't get him out of the team anymore. No, absolutely, and and I think you're right. I think when they play together, there's a certain composure. Obviously, Van Dijk, that's t- that's spoken about constantly. But what Matip's add to, added to his game recently is he's become much more aggressive in winning the ball back. And and when you add that to the, the composure of Van Dijk, I think you've just got a, a fantastic top and tail. Like you said, it's almost a double act now where one needs the other to to fulfil their full potential. And you're sort of seeing that with Liverpool this season. Obviously, they've leaked a couple of goals this year they won't be happy about. Nothing anyone could do about that one against Newcastle at the weekend. But yeah. For my money, he should be higher up the list, but obviously this is uh, just an opinion. Players 40 to 21 in our countdown, starting with Marcus Rashford, Joao Moutinho, Yuri Tielemans, Kyle Walker, Raul Jimenez, Wilfred Zahar, Ruben Neves, Paul Pogba, Callum Wilson, Rodri, Jorginho Wijnaldum, Aaron Wambasaka, Lucas Digne, James Madison, Toby Alderweireld, Alexandra Lacazette, Jamie Vardy, David Silva, Jordan Henderson, and at 21, Tottenham's Christian Eriksen. I think we want to start picking out a few themes that we've spotted emerging from this list. But first of all, why don't we just do the the, the headline one here, number 33, Paul Pogba. 
What do we make of this? He was in the team of the year last season. He was too much furore. There wasn't many people who really thought he should be in. And, you know, if we're being honest, he shouldn't have been. You know, he had a what a few good months where he put together some good form. But when is he going to start doing this across an entire season? He is a top 10 player on his quality. But, you know, arguably, you know, I was, I was at the Man United-Leicester game of the weekend and, and Scott McTominay looked better without him, frankly. You know, it looked like he was the one who was kind of cajoling everybody else. He was the one who was getting stuck in. And although, you know, you, you shouldn't criticise Pogba for not getting stuck in because I don't want to use a cliche, but he's not that kind of player. Mm. But you want to see him dominating games. You want to see him rallying everybody else around him. And he doesn't do that. And Man United are where they are partly because of him. He, he should be a player who is influencing them. Is it a case where he's still not being asked to do the right job? What is the right job? I mean, he, d- he did look better when he w- was playing further forward. Mm. I'll give you that. I will always defend Paul Pogba. I think he's an absolutely fantastic player. Obviously, I have the luxury of him not playing for my team every week, so I don't have to I don't have to debate it every week, but I do believe, like you said, that he's one of the best central midfielders in the world, and I still believe I don't think he's being coached to the level that he perhaps should be. And you look at Mourinho and they clearly fell out and then you you got Oli coming in who who obviously is a brilliant man manager. But whether he's being coached by the, mm-hmm. you know... You would like to see him with a bit more freedom. Yeah, exactly. You, you, you feel like he's probably a victim of their lack of quality in midfield. Mm. And, I mean, God knows what have ha- would have happened if they had have sold him this summer. Because, you know, they're already talking about Matic being linked with Juve in, in January. And you know, most fans would probably not like to see him play at all. Mm. But they are not in a position where they can afford to lose these players. And let's be blunt here, is Paul Pogba's haircuts stopping him becoming the player he could be? <laughs> CC Graham Simmons. <laughs> Why don't we move on to one of the themes that's emerging? We're seeing quite a few of the new players that have arrived into the Premier League for the first time this season, particularly from abroad. Rodri, I think, is the highest ranking one. He's number 31 here. We've got uh, Ndombele at Tottenham at number 42. Danny Ceballos, 45. Nicolas Pepe at 69, and uh, Lo Celso at 64. What do you make of these new players? How how good have we started to see how any of them are over the first few weeks of the season? I mean, I, I like Rodri. Mm. Um, and I think the very fact that he played for one season at Atletico Madrid and Pep signed him up straight away yeah. says, says a lot about how good he is, and we're starting to see that already with him. Uh, I think he'll have a big influence in that team for five, five years, maybe longer. Mm. Um, actually, I'd like to mention someone that's not on that list, and that's Daniel James at Man United. Yeah. I've been very impressed by by him so far, uh, obviously coming from the Championship. There was an excellent interview with uh, Rodri from Andy Murray in one of the recent issues of 442 that I thought was really revealing about his character and I thought made me really quite excited to watch him and I think he's looked great so far. Hunter, who have you rated so far this season of these new arrivals? To be honest, yeah, Rodri's probably top of my list as well. From what I've seen of Undombele, he's the sort of player Spurs needed. He can drive the ball forward. He's he's incredibly dynamic between the boxes. He he loves to pass through the lines. It's sort of something we've been missing in the last few months. Uh, a central midfielder is what mm. we've been missing the last few months. Um with Lo Celso, it's almost impossible to say. He's had so little time. I do like that he came on against Arsenal and looked incredibly composed and sort of calmed the, calmed the game down, won some free kicks in key areas. And that's something, again, it feels like Spurs may have found a couple of players who have filled 
roles that we were missing. It's a shame he's got injured so early, really, because you, know, you look at Christian Eriksen's situation and he is likely to replace him long-term, isn't he? Because yeah, well, he, you'd imagine in January, Spurs will try and get some money from Eriksen. So it's almost key that Lacelso at least starts to find his legs in the Premier League. It's a, it's a real shame that he's going to be out until it looks like the end of October. Um, yeah, these are key months for him. And Pochettino said it. He said it's you know these are the months where you sort of find your feet. And he's not gonna he's gonna miss a month now, and it, it could be really damaging for him. But I mean, he looked like a fantastic player at Betis, and he was having a very good time at the end of last season. But you're a little sceptical of Arsenal's loan signing Danny Ceballos, aren't you? I don't think it's I don't question that he's a fantastic player, but I think Arsenal fans have put a little bit too much pressure onto what they expect him to be like. Mm. Obviously he was fantastic in that Burnley game, but he hasn't quite reached those levels in in the other couple yeah. of games that he's played. Um I don't quite like I said I don't question that he's a great player. I just think he's a very young player mm. and to sort of suggest that he's the new um Santi Cazorla is uh, slightly slightly too early. It's always going to be difficult for him when he doesn't really have that much protection in behind. He can't really feel like he can be expressive uh, in bigger games mm. because you've got Granit Xhaka behind you. <laughs> and then in turn, you have that just that whole soft centre, basically, yeah. which is never going to help him. Um, I, th- I think I was at that Burnley game and, and one of the things that he got, I think he got three standing ovations during mm. that game from, from Arsenal fans. And I think one of the reasons that they... It took to him so much in that game was that you actually really saw the physical side of his game mm. and he really wasn't scared to get into one-on-one duels with Burnley players who are obviously a very physical side and so I think there was a sense that this is you know almost like a granite Xhaka figure except for that he can pass and tackle um, <laughs> that, that, that was a level of the excitement that that was there in that game but as you say perhaps not really been shown in other matches so far mm. Um, Nicolas Pepe, uh, there was a lot of excitement about him when he signed this summer. One thing I noticed about Nicolas Pepe straight away was how one-footed he is. And in the Premier League, that doesn't really that doesn't really happen that often. Mm. Most players can move it quite freely between them. He, he seems to depend on his left foot quite a lot. Way too early to say whether Nicolas yeah. Pepe's a flop. He's a fantastic player. I don't think Arsenal have really got him playing his best football at the moment. It's really difficult to come from Liga yeah. and just re- replicate that to the Premier League straight away. One of the best things that he has, he has speed in abundance. And in Liga, people give you space in abundance. So you can just absolutely, you can build up your pace and get into, the, get into those areas. You're not going to get that in the Premier League. You get maybe five yards to build up that sort of momentum. And then you have to, your brain has to move <laughs> a lot quicker. Quickly, I just want to talk about the best bottom half player, which I think is quite interesting. And kind of using bottom half player here, talk about teams where they finished last season rather than speculating about the end of this one. But Callum Wilson is the one that we rank top number 32 at our list. Why is Callum Wilson the best player for a, a bottom half team in the Premier League? Because Bournemouth's defence is terrible. And that's why he's in the <laughs> bottom half, <laughs> frankly. He has done so well to get to his current position. He's such a, an all-round striker. You know, mm. He's got that physicality, but now he's had a lot of consistent goal scoring. And you know, he's the sort of player that you, you want to do well because of his injury history. Mm. Yeah, he's had two really long-term injuries. Come back from them both times. You know, full credit to Eddie Howe for, for sticking with him as well amid what was really difficult. He's just he's risen from the championship really easily and he's just kind of the beacon for that Bournemouth team, really. You know, if only they could defend. Now, he finishes a couple of places ahead of Wilfred Zahar, who I think would have been the other big shout there. 
obviously he's had his his moment with United a few years ago that didn't really go to plan and he's been looking to get out of Crystal Palace. Do you see him finishing at a high level than he's currently at? Or He certainly should do. I mean, for me, he would be, of that list of bottom half players, he would be the best and probably by a fair distance, actually. I think the, 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 the job he's done for Crystal Palace has been, been sensa- sensational. And the fact that Everton were the only club that really put a serious bid in for him surprised me because I think... Like say, he obviously uh, it will put off the top six clubs that he had that spell at Man United, but he was a lot younger then. Mm. He's had a lot of Premier League experience since then. He, he should be playing for a top six club. I do worry for him now though, because who's going to come in and pay what Palace are after? Uh, I don't know how long he's got left on his contract, but presumably it's it's a reasonable amount of time. And why would Palace just suddenly back down unless he's going to basically behave badly, which might be his last resort mm. choice? Well, because he was kind of on the verge of doing that this year. Because the, the irony of it all is which which of that top six needs him the most and it's Man United. But it's awkward for them to sign him back because yeah. that seems like a... Because they'll obviously be signing back for a hell of a well, lot more than what... What he's, he's managed to do since United is adapt his game as well. He's played as that striker, mm. which he which he didn't do at United. He, you know, he barely got a kick there, which would be appealing to them. And he's mm. the right kind of age. I think he's 26, Zaha. Mm. 27, possibly. He's He still fits that sort of long-term view that they would have but would cost so much money and they've probably got better targets who they can take for that kind of money Jaden Sancho is the obvious one yeah I mean uh, the thing that obviously is against him is that a Premier League player will cost more generally speaking with there are exceptions but will cost more than a player from another league and that's his best route probably is to go to a Dortmund and then come back again, actually. <laughs> but that, that's, that's his problem, though. He's trapped because Dortmund won't pay that transfer fee yeah, to get yeah. him in the first place. Yeah. So that's why True. I feel True. like he's a, a little bit trapped until Palace mm. kind but of relent. To, to me, he's a player that should be at top six club, should have spent most of his career at top six club because that is his ability. On the topic of the big six, the highest ranking player from a non-big six side in this list is... Jamie Vardy at number 24. Now, digital editor and Leicester City fan, Joe Bruin, can you tell us why Jamie Vardy is the best player outside of the top six? His, his goal scoring is so consistent. There's always the stats. I think it's f- for the last few seasons, I can't remember off the top of my head, but he, he's, he's up there with the best in terms of his returns for the last few seasons. It doesn't matter who it's against. And actually, he's, he's better against the top six teams, frankly, because he gets more space. The one thing you don't get with Vardy is that kind of all-round play. You know, he needs the service. He's not a Harry Kane who's going to hold it up, bring others into play. He does rely on that. And that, that can be a hindrance to the team sometimes. But his technical quality is so good. You, know, you see the, the, the goal he scored against Bournemouth recently where he's, where he's lobbing the keeper. He's done that against Tottenham before as well. He's got, he's got so many qualities that make you love him as a Leicester fan. You know, that, that hard work. That pace, the, the the finishing, you'd back him to score in one-on-one situations every single time. And he's proved that he's, he's not a flash in the pan. He's doing it every single season. And in the right environment, he will thrive. I'm always impressed with his finishing. He, Like Joe said, he gets into those positions and you're, he's one of those in the league where you're convinced every time it's a goal. The volleying, is he's got an incredible volley. That, that shouldn't be underestimated. It's the hardest thing arguably the hardest thing to do in football and he has got it to a T. And Brendan Rodgers, is that the right environment for him? Yeah, definitely. The, the stats prove that he thrives in, in, in a Rodgers team. Um, he didn't get on with Claude Puel. He's, he's been quite open with that. <laughs> Most of the Leicester players didn't get on with Claude Puel and you know, re- performances reflected that. He wasn't, wasn't a good fit for that team. 
Um, but because you've got a bit more technical quality in, in, in the midfield now, Yuri Tielemans is around. You've got a lot of youth and pace, people like Harvey Barnes. And, Vard- and Mad- Madison has a really good relationship with him as well. You know, he's, Vardy's always the player who he looks for. The, you know, the Sheffield United away, Madison lays it a pass with the outside of his boot, right through for Vardy. They just, he just knows he's going to be there all the time. Right, finally, before we get on to the top 20, can I just very quickly get from you guys, who do you think are the most underrated players in the Premier League at the moment? Ashley Barnes. <laughs> it's got to be Ashley Barnes. I love Ashley Barnes. He's a great player. I think we've covered Ashley Barnes enough, so Hunter, who have you got for uh, I'm going to say Jeannie Wijnaldum. I just think he's, he's massively influential at Liverpool. He maybe doesn't get the coverage... Uh, that the other players, I mean, obviously you've got a, mm. you're, you're dealing with three stars up top who who put everything together and they finished those beautiful moves. But I think he, uh, yeah, he really pulls that midfield together at times, and he's he's so neat on the ball, and he wins it back and just drives it up the field, and it's such a yeah. valuable asset to have an essential midfielder. He's a very solid number thirty in our list. Joe, <laughs> who would you go for? I am going to throw a little hat tip to Jean Moutinho at, at thirty nine, who. You know, it's a player they got for a really good fee in the first place. I think it was something like five million. He played at a lot of mid-level European teams. You know, he played at a good level for Portugal. He joined Wolves when he was getting on a little bit, but was probably their most influential player last year, I think, if you were to ask Wolves fans. Um, slightly more so than Ruben Neves, even. I think the fact that he's just come in straight away, uh, you know, kind of transformed them as part of Nuno's projects and, and just looked really comfortable. Uh, is, is just a testament to his ability and his experience. Yeah, the fact, the fact that they were able to, able to sign him after they got promoted, that was a real statement of that someone who'd been at the top level for a long, long time. As a player who was linked with Spurs for almost eight years, I'd say. The voice and of so the bitter, for, bitter So for man. Wolves to come in and get a player of his standing was, yeah, incredible. And I was incredibly jealous. Now, finally, we bring you the top 20. At 20, it's Harry Maguire, then Edison, Fabinho, Son Hyung Min, David De Gea, who finishes just behind the top goalkeeper on our list, Liverpool's Alison Becker, then Bernardo Silva, Andrew Robertson, Trent Alexander-Arnold, the highest-ranked young player on our list, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, Imerick Laporte starts our top 10, Harry Kane, Sadio Mane, Roberto Firmino, Sergio Aguero and as we enter the top five we find our best player not at Man City or Liverpool, Ungolo Kante. At number four we've got Kevin De Bruyne, at three Mohamed Salah, at two Raheem Sterling and the best current Premier League player according to 442 is Liverpool's Virgil van Dijk. So there's a couple more things that we want to cover in the, the final section here, the top 20. Obviously, we now have the best goalkeeper in the Premier League here. We've got Alisson at Liverpool coming in at number 15, just ahead of David De Gea at number 16. Other goalkeepers that appeared in this list, we've got Edison in the top 20s at number 19, Kepa Aretha Belaga at 41, Jordan Pickford at 68, Kasper Schmeichel at 71, Nick Pope at 76 and Tom Heaton at 94. We can really see that actually, I think they all deserve to be in there, don't they? I don't think there's any real argument about that. It's great actually that there is such a wealth of of talent of goalkeepers in the Premier League and that they are 
spread out a little bit. They're not all uh, isolated just at the top. But broadly, I think just what we want to talk about here is the top 20 broadly, the order and specifically those top three, Van Dyke, Sterling and Salah. Joe, do you want to lead us on this? Yeah, I mean, I don't think you'll have too many people arguing with Virgil van Dijk, number one. He is arguably the lead front runner for the Ballon d'Or this year. Mm. You know, he has transformed that team. Just, you know, they were, they were a leaky mess before he got there. Uh, and, you know, this is partly Alisson's doing as well. Partly, mostly Jürgen Klopp's doing. But we're talking about a game-changing player here. And I hope he wins the Ballon d'Or. You know, it's been it's been a long time. Two thousand six was the last time that a defender won it. Fabio Cannavaro, mm. and I think he really deserves it this year. Yeah, it's just whether the Champions League is greater than the World Cup, basically, isn't it? Because Fabio Cannavaro won it after the World Cup, if I'm not after the World Cup that Italy won. Mm. And like Joe said, yeah, I mean, Virgil Van Dijk has absolutely transformed a Liverpool backline that was a joke only a few years ago. And he's not only done it, I know obviously we're talking about the Premier League players here, but you look at the Netherlands now and they're being spoken about as a real uh, challenger at the Euros and going forward, their defence is now, well, he's got De Ligt to help him out, but they they look rock solid as well. We had a feature on the website this week from, from Matt Ladson of This Is Anfield. He was just talking about Van Dijk, how Liverpool fans basically watch him while laughing because he's that good. Mm. You know, Strikers trying really hard to beat him and he'll just stand there casually stick a leg out, just muscle them out of the way. And as Troy Deeney says, he also smells really good. So <laughs> as an added bonus, there you go. Well, I just think back to that six months when Liverpool tried to sign him, failed to sign him. And that, that six months in between him actually arriving at Liverpool fans every three minutes saying, Why, when are we signing Virgil van Dijk? And that would have been so easy for it actually them to him to arrive, be under such pressure that actually it didn't work out. <laughs> so the fact that he dealt with that expectation that he was going to be amazing and has been amazing, and instantly got them to a Champions League final, has then helped them the year after win a Champions League final. Mm. I mean, you can't really argue with that, can you? Really, he's just been so impressive. Can we talk about the case for Raheem Sterling? Uh, he's obviously a fantastic, fantastic player. He was the Football Writers Association Player of the Season last year, and I think when he left Liverpool for Manchester City, there were possibly some eyebrows raised that this was a player who was very flashy who could take on players but perhaps didn't have the end product and felt like he was going to be someone who might never reach the potential that mm. we put on players like that. And frankly, that feels like it's been completely disproven by now, doesn't it? Yeah, he went He went to Liverpool, uh, went to Man City, sorry, as a promising young player. Now he is an elite player in world football. Uh, he's, he's a player, Zinedine Zidane has made no secret of the fact that he loves him. Mm. You know, he, m- any manager in world football would want Raheem Sterling in their team now. He's he's the way he just he's just soaked up information from from Pep Guardiola is, is really really impressive to me. Um, I don't think he's the best player in the Premier League, but I think the way he contributes to his team is so important now that he's you know Pep Guardiola has a reputation for rotating players. He doesn't rotate Raheem Sterling, mm. and that that is a, a testament mm. to him. Yeah, because he Aguero quite often is rotated out, but like mm. you say, Sterling never is. I think there's two key things with with Sterling. One. He's getting a lot of tap-ins at the back post now, which looks easy, but actually you've got to be in the right place. I just remember people like Robert Pires always used to get that in the Invincibles team and getting in that right position to get those goals. And two, it's just decision-making. Like, say, he used to want to do all these skills and stuff, but now if he sees the pass or he sees the shot on, he'll just do it and it'll it'll, it'll lead to a goal. Um, And that comes with experience. And 
you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say he's uh, certainly at this level of Cristiano Ronaldo yet. But you look at Ronaldo's career in terms that he was like that when he was young, in that he wanted to do all the skills, and suddenly just realised, no, actually, I need to. If I make the right decisions, I can score a lot of goals. And although obviously he's not on, not scoring this level as Ronaldo, he's in the in a very similar way. I started scoring a lot of goals. Now, obviously, in the top twenty, there is an enormous dominance for City and Liverpool. We should probably look at a couple of the other players as well. I think there are six players not from City or Liverpool in that top 20, which, if anything, might be a little generous. The top player is N'Golo Kante, a former Leicester man, but is he finally at Chelsea being used in the right way after perhaps an underwhelming season? It was really frustrating to see him being asked to do that under Maurizio Sarri because, you know, as a, as a Leicester fan, you know, I've watched him just with awe. I'd, I'd never seen a player like him in my life before someone partly because you know when you when you sign a player you have a certain expectation you know a certain level of information about them people who have watched them people who have been excited about them there, there just wasn't that when, when Leicester signed Kante he was about five and a half million played in Liga had pl- previously played in Ligue 2 basically just hardly being noticed and you just look at the levels that he's reached now and you think how the hell was that possible just somebody who could, you know, the, the the cliche was that he played like two players, but he did. He was just everywhere. I remember there, there was a game at the Emirates, which which we lost in the title winning season. Um, we were down to 10 men and he was just everywhere. I've, I've, it's one of the best individual performances I've ever seen. Someone who, you know, would just go up against someone who was twice his size. And you just knew that every single time he was going to come away with that ball. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think he would make a world 11 every single time, personally. I mean, I personally wonder right now whether number five is a little bit high for him. He's, I, I don't disagree with anything Josh just said. He's obviously a very, very good player. He's had huge impact on two title-winning teams. Possibly at, the, at this moment, I'd put the likes of Aguero, Firmino, Mane and Kane above him. Hmm. Um, but yeah, certainly a very, very good player, as we've seen. And in terms of those who could be argued to be at number one, obviously we've got Van Dijk, obviously we've got Sterling. Who else in this list? If someone said to you, actually, no, they're the number one player, Who, what kind of players would you th- think would come up in that? I don't think you could have any argument if someone said Kevin De Bruyne is the best player in the Premier League. Mm. Um, he's so unique in the way he plays and his his vision, his weight of pass. There's something that... The the few things that you can't really teach a player and and his work rate as well is something that you know he's learned under Pep Guardiola is how to move into the right areas at the right time. And uh, you see him drift out to the right quite a lot into that space by the corner flag and just whip those balls across across the, the front of the box. And City score a lot doing that. And you sort of think, well, that looks easy. Why doesn't everyone do that? And that's because <laughs> running that far into the corner and hitting a ball that hard into the area is incredibly hard. And uh, I just think he's a fantastic player. He 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 could arguably be number one on this He's list. also really quick as well. He's really yeah. good on the counter-attack. I remember when he first joined City before they were a more dominant team mm. he would lead so many of their charges from the back and then always find the striker with, with that sort of ridiculous laser pass I mean that's just another element <laughs> of his game that probably doesn't get used as much anymore mm. but is, is a real key thing of his just something, yeah he gets his he gets his decisions right every single time it seems like he's also one of those players who plays passes without having to look where people are on the pitch because of how well drilled he is and City are now he'll just ping a pass you know, a 60-yard pass across field, knowing that whoever Raheem Sterling's supposed to be there, and if he's not there, mm-hmm. he'll have a go. At him. <laughs> uh, so finally, just quickly before we finish, uh, I'm looking at number 10 here, Laporte at Man City. 
obviously he's going to be out for a while now. How big a blow is that to City and their chances of defending the title? I think you're already seeing it. Uh, the Norwich defeat was a damning indictment of what, what you're probably going to see from <laughs> from City in the next few weeks, if not months. Uh, Otamendi is nowhere near the level Laporte is. And Otamendi Stones is, is a m- just instantly, you can see nerves coming into the back line that didn't have any. Walker's, Walker's making mistakes that he wasn't making those mistakes before. Mm. Laporte brings a certain composure um, that almost Van Dyke has, to be honest. He, he rarely gets ruffled. You, you rarely see him give them, giving the ball away. And he doesn't lose 50-50s. When you have a centre-back like that in your defence, everyone else plays at a different standard. I, I don't think it's an, an overstatement to say that this could cost City the title. Mm. No. It's bad enough having Stones Otamendi as, as your centre-back partnership, or suspect enough at least. Stones is now out for five weeks. They got rid of, well, Vincent Company moved on in the summer. Mangala is the kind of the, the red alert choice, and he got loaned out. Mm. You know, they don't have that many options. And, you know, we've already seen that they have that soft centre. And if they're going to lose games like Norwich, you know, Liverpool are, are not relenting at the moment. Mm. And I don't know whether they'll give them that room this time. It might come down to the two head-to-heads this season as it did last season thanks to chris joe and hunter if you want to see the full list of our 101 best current premier league players head to 442.com if you have any problems with the list joe is digital editor and his twitter handle is at joe brewing fft the rest of us are also on twitter if you want to send us any praise please do drop us a positive rating on itunes and subscribe to get a new episode every Friday just in time for the weekend football don't forget the current offer on the magazine subscribe today and get the first five issues for just five pounds thanks very much for listening the music you've heard is by Hal Griff and you can find them on iTunes and Spotify too Hi I'm Daniel founder of Pretty Litter did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain I learned this the hard way after losing my cat Gingy so I created Pretty Litter a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors saving you money and potentially your cat's life Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy terms and conditions apply see site for details transform your home in one weekend with paint from Menards. Get a paint that combines durability and gorgeous color. Dutch Boys DuraClean Interior Paint and Primer in One offers Stay Clean technology, making your home stay beautiful and clean longer. And with Dutch Boys Easy Opening Smooth Pouring Container, transforming your home has never been easier. Save big money on Dutch Boy paints and head into Menards to get your paint project started today. Save big When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.